Greetings and welcome to the hundredth episode of Inside Baseball with Old Chestnut, my friend Morris Sachs. How you doing, MB? Uh, it's great to see you. Congratulations on a hundred episodes. It's Unbelievable. Been a, it's been a pleasure, my friend. A hundred fucking hours of you and me shooting the breeze. <laughs> Unbelievable. But um, maybe would you mind? Pausing it because I'd like to go take a gummy and listen to the rest of it. <laughs> right. Now your day is sidetracked. <laughs> oh fuck, man. So um I was thinking, do you think if we dedicated today's show to Amy and Cheryl, we could get a pass to travel out west to see them in Los Angeles? You know, I can do whatever I want with you. You're very oh. special. Like, if I said I'm going to do this with Morris or Morris wants to do this, then I can carte blanche. But okay. if it's me and I'm like, yeah, you know, like, uh, I'm thinking about going to a show. Absolutely not. So if I okay. play my MB, right. I can do what I want. Okay. Okay. Well, you know, I'm trying to, to gather the troops. Mm. You know, it's April. Mm -hmm. And there is there is some talk some loose talk that they may be doing a residency at the garden this summer. I saw, I saw that something about the sphere. Do you know about the sphere? No. Yeah. There's some new construction. I, I don't want to get into it, but look up fish and the sphere and, and then, okay. and then dig, dig into those rumors. Yeah. Because, because if there's going to be a residency, it would be July, mm -hmm. I, you know, traveling all the way to Los Angeles. Um, I mean, I, I don't know. I, I So a Amy and Mark were out here for uh, some time. And one day, it, within one day, there were three mass shootings. I know. I know. I know. What the fuck is going on, man? I know, dude. I, it's dude. The, like somebody said, the, the country's circling the drain in, in, in some aspects. <laughs> yeah, yeah. A, a lot of aspects. Mm -hmm. Um bizarre news day i guess it's technically old news but uh and maybe we discussed the last week but uh libby holmes had bought a one-way ticket to mexico did we she talk about it away. that yeah but she explained it away she explained it away yeah i gotta see a man about a thing yeah exactly yeah okay and then uh boy that video of paul pelosi really cleared up all the questions i had dude, dude, uh, so i I, that was the weirdest thing. It's so bizarre. The first 15 seconds where he opens the door and he's like, hi guys. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I don't know. Look, one thing I'm very big on when I talk to people is they'll say, well, if it were me, I'd have done this. And I'm like, no, you, you don't, you might, but it's one yeah. of a thousand outcomes. So don't tell me, you know, right. 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 So I don't know. How I would have reacted, right? But I, I think I would have said help. Yeah, dude. How about that guy can get into the speaker's house? Like, there's no Capitol PD, there's no security or anything like that. And she lives on like you know Broadway in San Francisco. The whole thing is just so bizarre. Well, she's she's just trying to save money for the taxpayers. Dude, she made a killing. Uh, she, she dumped her Google two weeks ago, and Google just came under investigation from the DOJ. Uh, so that's a nicely uh -huh. timed trade on her and Paul's part. <laughs> what is the uh, wow? What a coincidence! <laughs> um, uh, and others. Sad news. 
uh, I, I, this resonates with me slightly. So a 46-year-old hedge fund guy mm-hmm. who lives in New Canaan jumped out of a building in Manhattan <sighs> last week and uh, to his death. And he did it a couple of days after filing for divorce from his wife. Yep. And and why it resonates with me is my my father died at 46 and and uh this fellow's 46 and mm-hmm. I think he has three kids, two or three kids. Mm-hmm. So I you know mm-hmm. I, I just uh yeah. it must have been in a great deal of pain. You know, it's yep. a shame that uh yeah. Most problem, most problems are manageable. You just need to find the right person, and yeah, I, 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 you know, I guess you got to be in such a painful spot that you just decide. Dude, there's been a lot of that since COVID. Um, I hate to say it, I, I can think off the top of my head probably five like names, individuals that we've lost. Um, and I think I always remember my mom saying that's a permanent solution to a temporary, to a temporary problem. Which yeah. you can say, which like you can, you know, that's fine. You and I can sit here and say that, but like when someone's in that dead end, it's so. Uh, yeah, yeah tragic. I, I, saw, I, I did see that. Um, dude, the, yeah. the the winter. There's a lot of dude. The the world is fucking hard right now. Um, so you might think that you know being a hedge fund manager from New Canaan is all is all you know milk and honey. Um, but there's pressure and there's family problems at home and COVID and and everything that's gone on has been especially difficult for everybody um you and i have sat here for the last hundred weeks and we've gone think about we've gone i don't know if we had did we have lockdowns were we locked down when we were doing the show um but we've gone you know for security security purposes i'm always on lockdown right right right. i know what you mean yeah i i we cheryl and i because we had lost two friends yeah early on were hyper vigilant yeah and uh you know then i'd come out west and everyone would be like what are you guys complaining about i'm like well when you know a bunch of dead people yeah uh your attitude changes yeah 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 it's 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 hard it's fucked up a lot of people and slow to recover so anyway that's uh that's sad news um Mm. i i just kind of wonder out loud now i think new canaan is where that guy chopped his yes. wife up into little bits and the crack New Canaan police squad still haven't been able to find the body. Correct. Um, yeah. So, uh, yeah, you know, this could be urban legend, but apparently there were laws written into the New Canaan charter that Jews weren't allowed to live in New Canaan. Is that um, true? <laughs> well, I, is it true? I don't know. Right. I, you know, just spoiler alert. I don't know that anything on this show is true. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sitting here in my bathroom yeah, talking yeah. to a buddy of mine on Zoom. Yeah, yeah that's fair. <laughs> so, you know, you get what you pay for. Right. But um, so I, I thought, uh, depending on your frame of mind, mm. we could break the episode up into a couple of pieces. Sure. One would be uh, talking about how on my days at the Chicago Board of Trade, um, the uh, den of iniquity between the drugs, prostitution and the stealing from customers was rife. 
Yeah. Maybe chat about that a little bit. Yes. Uh, yes then talk about as a grown up trader, how I saw um, people stealing from clients. Yes. Um, that might be a little fun, mm -hmm. but I would like to spend some time uh, talking about uh, sort of a moment I had. Uh, so um, this is a little awkward for me to say, but yeah. we're, we're, it's just you and me, right? Always. Okay. So I think it was Thursday night and uh, Amy was leaving to go home to Michigan to the snow because she got tired of all the sunshine here. Right. And so uh, they, I popped open a 2008 Himmelsfeld New Zealand Cabernet. Uh, so they were drinking that and I had uh, some um, therapeutic THC mm -hmm. and um, you know, immediately, you know, Amy's lights out, Cheryl's reading a book. So I put on the fish shows from the garden. Right. Mm -hmm. And so I'm kind of sitting there and I'm reading three different research pieces. I, I mean, you know, back mm -hmm. and forth. Yep, One yep. of them is the latest uh, Van Hoisington newsletter by Lacey Hunt. One was this newsletter for free put out by Harley Bassman that I think was pretty good. And the third one was from uh, our pal Dave Zervos at Jeffries. Mm -hmm. Okay. Now, so I'm reading these three things and now, I don't know whether it was the December 28th or 29th show, but at the 40-minute mark, Trey goes into this guitar riff of Maze. Mm -hmm. Okay. And I'm just leaning back, and I'm thinking about these three research pieces, and I'm thinking about the shape of the yield curve. And all of a sudden, I'm like, I wish like EG was here. I wish JM were here. I wish Robbie were here. I wish Amir were here. Because uh, I'm starting to, I'm starting to get this this concept working in my mind. And I know that sounds a little redonk, okay? But I get these things from time to time. So, for example, a zillion years ago. Okay. Uh, in Japan, rates were heading lower, and everyone kept shorting them, saying, "Well, they're never going lower." There. And and they kept getting carried out, right? Yep. And I think they got kind of the point where rates were, if they weren't zero, they were very close to zero. So I come into work one day, and I said, "What do you what do you think happens if rates go negative?" And you know, of course received ridicule how could rates go negative and i said well I, why not and they're like well if someone's going to charge me to keep my money in the bank i'm just going to take it out of the bank and i'm like okay champ you can go get your 10 grand out of the bank but what about schmo here with 100 million what's what's he going to do mm -hmm. and and so they kind of grunted but i said and this is one of these epiphanies i'm talking about i said 
Well, let's think about what it's going to do to option modeling. Now, I'm going to try and explain this to you like you're a 10-year-old, so don't take offense to it. Because I've spoken or read options theory by two Nobel Prize winners, and they don't understand this. Right. Okay? Okay. So when you calculate a price of an option, okay, they assume that whatever your underlying security is, it's going to end up at a certain spot. And it's going to take a certain path to get there. And so what these geniuses try and do is figure out what does that distribution, what does the shape of that distribution look like? So as an example, you're, everyone's familiar with the bell curve, right? Yep. Perfectly smooth. Yep. Okay. But that's not necessarily how every security is going to trade. Some you know, are more volatile. And the shape of that curve is going to be different, and some are less volatile, and hence a different shape. But when you do the math, which I cannot do, based on the shape of that distribution, that bell curve shape, that's one of the factors of how you come up with an option price. You you with me so far? Yep. Pretty, pretty straightforward. Yep. And, and this, this, by the way, is why that um, professor in college wouldn't let me take the option class because I didn't know calculus. Okay. Well, imagine Sh- that. Sh- schmuck. Yep. Uh, anyway, to carry on, all of these distributions have a left side and a right side. Okay. To, it's The difference is how steep that middle point is Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. and so if you pull the middle point up let's say you got a string and you pull it up with your fingers the sides are going to get narrower those sides are called the tails okay you you with me so far yeah okay so let's go back to my naive thought that interest rates could go to zero and i said well wait a minute when you would value an option on interest rates, okay, you couldn't use a normal distribution, a bell-shaped curve, because rates stop at zero. Yep. Right? Can't have rates below zero. So why build a curve when it stops at zero? Mm -hmm, Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Okay. So what they do no idea why they call it this, but they said, okay, we're going to call that a log normal distribution. Okay. Okay. So for sake of clarity, let's just assume you have a bell curve and at the very apex of that curve, you draw a point and you just drop a line straight down. Mm-hmm. Okay. So now you basically have the either the left or the right of the bell curve, but just one side. Okay, that one side is zero percent, so you're you're bounded by zero. Mm-hmm. Okay, I'm sure this is thrilling shit to ninety nine percent of the people listening, but it's what we want to talk about. So yeah. stay, you know, go get a beer. Yeah. Um. 
But my point was, if we now understand or are willing to accept that rates can go lower than zero, it's no longer bounded by zero. So that log normal distribution, which I've described to you, and, mm-hmm. and by you nodding your head yep. and the look in your eyes, it's clear to me you understand what I'm talking about, right? Yep. So if we allow for negative interest rates, now that curve shape changes. Long story short, that option is going to have more value. Mm-hmm. So, you know, I talked to the A team and I don't remember whether they agreed or not. In any event, nothing really ever came of it. And it kind of, it kind of died a slow death. Mm-hmm. So, but these are the sorts of things I think about. And so, um, you remember how, by the way, this show is either going to be great or it's going to suck because this is just, this is just, this is just total free association. <laughs> well, we did mass so, shootings. We did mass shootings and options modeling. Let's go. <laughs> let's keep, we proceed. Yeah, yeah. So, so, um, uh, where was I? So I'm listening to the fish and I'm reading these three articles. Okay. And if you will recall when I used to trade Japan, the internet was kind of new and blogging was kind of new. Mm-hmm. And so there were two or three bloggers I discovered and they were really good. One was this gal uh, and the, the website was called Maxed Out Mama. I remember you okay. said this. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, okay. So um, another one was Calculated Risk, I think. Okay. A guy named Bill McBride. I think that still exists, but I don't read it anymore. Okay. Uh, but between Maxed Out Mama and the Bill McBride thing, totally caught the subprime. Wow. Just between those two people. In fact, we got to calling the maxed out mama the Oracle. Wow. <laughs> that's how that's how hot she was. Really? I mean, fuck off. Yeah. R- really? Yeah. yeah. Ask EG. You I, know, I it's believe like, it. I, I mean, you know, and yeah. you know me. If I, I know. Thought, if I thought sticking pins in a doll was going to yield a result, I know. Man, I'd, I'd have bloody fingertips. And what? She was just oh. like a, she was like a website blog that, that she posted yeah. for free? Yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. And and so Bill McBride, if I remember this correctly, had a friend whose name was Tanta. And Tanta was like the guru of this subprime shit. But she like developed cancer and died and it was like a mess. But yeah, yeah. between between those three people, you know, and John Paulson. Yeah. Um, they figured out. Oh, and uh, Michael Burry. Mm-hmm. Yeah, mm-hmm. they they figured out that the way things were going, it was going to be a colostomy, and yeah. that's what it was, right? So that's how we made all the money on the subprime was because I was watching this stuff, and I come in and talk to the guys about it, and then they drove the the prices, the stuff that it was almost impossible to lose. So yeah, wow. Now, now, where am I going with this? I'm completely... Okay, so one of the websites, which I haven't mentioned, was written by this psychiatrist. And 
I don't know the, the guy or gal's name, but the blog was called Shrink Wrapped. Okay. And so, you know, it'd be like one in the morning. I'd be sitting there in my study. Everyone's sleeping. Yeah. I'm watching the fucking JGBs go back and forth. And, uh, you know, I mean, there's only so much porn you can watch, right? Right, exactly. It gets old. <laughs> right. Sorry, kids. Um, <laughs> but I, I, it was fascinating because he would talk about psychotherapy. Yeah. And, yeah. you know, at, at two in the morning, it's either that or Ginzu knives. Right, right, right. right. So, but one of the things uh, he talked about was uh, how in a analytic session, mm-hmm. meaning it, mm-hmm. uh, the patient will talk about different things. Quite often, those things on the surface may not seem related, but in actuality, they there's a theme that runs amongst them. They're okay. threaded together, yeah. Yeah, and so that's always been one of those things I've remembered and used pretty widely. First of all, I use it for myself. Like if I'm thinking about one thing and I'm thinking about something else, and then and I kind of wonder, like, why are those things related, right? Mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. It's, cert- it's certainly great when you're dealing with other people and you're trying to figure out what the fuck is wrong with you mm-hmm, or, mm-hmm. or, you know, a little bit more malevolently, like if you're trying to negotiate something or, you know, it's, yeah. it's, a, it's akin to my favorite turn the map around. Of course. Yep. Yep. Okay. Okay. So I'm reading these three papers, uh, Hoisington, which, um, by the way, I'm as proud as proud could be with you sending me that chart showing the collapse of M2. Mm-hmm. Okay. So the Lacey Hunt thing, again, he's hitting the, you know, not only is M2 or there's another monetary measure he uses, I'm not going to bother describing it, but it's his own little okay. special thing, but that's collapsing as well. I can't, guarantee this but i'm under the impression velocity is slowing so when money supply is slowing and velocity is slowing if you believe that mv equals pq that means the product you know domestic growth yep. is going to slow or stop okay yep. um so there's that paper then i read this paper uh by um Harley Bassman, and he's talking about uh, the yield curve and leveraging the yield curve. And interestingly enough, uh, he talked about something Uncle Mark and I talked about. And I don't remember whether it was before the show last time or what, but you know, I've mentioned a number of times how I read a study that said the value of one's home has you know, three or four times the yes, effect yes. on perceived, okay, versus your investments. And Harley, in this article, which is free, uh, don't ask me where you can get it. If you want it, just Google Harley Bassman. He'll, he'll send it to you. I want to see can't... Convexity Maven on, on Twitter. Yeah, yeah, okay, yeah. there you go. Okay. There you go. You're welcome, Harley. Um, 
But he talks about how homeowners are highly levered. And I mean, duh, yeah. but it's one of those things, you know, you, you, you need to take a step back and you realize that, you know, if you put 20% down, you're buying 80%. And that's, that's big leverage for yeah. everybody. Okay. Yeah. So you can understand why if a house price goes down and somebody's borrowed money, that may make them more anxious than seeing mm -hmm. their Google stock go from X to X minus 5%. I'm right? sure, yeah. Uh, okay. What they probably don't fully appreciate is, you know, one of the terms I love, hate, which is jingle mail. You know, if you get upside down in the house enough, you just send the bank the keys and yeah. you're going to have black mark on your record for seven years but yeah. every, everybody's got a price yeah right yeah, yeah, of course so okay so now we got uh harley talking about leverage in the system and he further talks about the shape of the yield curve and suggests a trade and explains how convexity works now, you know, me, option, convexity, asymmetrical payoffs, yep. these yep. things are all, these things are related. And and remember, I'm a little wasted. Trey's just shredding, right? I know. Yep. It, it, I, I'm comfortable. I got my legs up. You know, why stand if you can sit? Why sit if you can lay down? Yep. Right. Yep. Um, and so now I'm having this thought. It's like, God, if, if my guys were here we could start talking about the shape of this inverted yield curve and start thinking about the convexity how it's changed as the shape of the curve has changed and i would think there may be some trades to come out of that okay so all sorts of weird things happen and the yield curve when the yield curve goes inverted mm -hmm, mm -hmm. one of one of the most notable is when you have a futures contract on securities you have a window you can deliver in a normal yield curve your asset yields more than your liability so you want to deliver on the last day right mm -hmm. you want to keep it but if your asset is earning less than your liability you want to get rid of it right away Mm -hmm. So that that is one small example of a change in the market that may not affect a lot of people, but it's just one of a thousand of examples. Mm -hmm. Okay, there's there's other weird things that happen. So, like guys who buy mortgage-backed securities, people go out and they write mortgages and they aggregate them. And they take them to one of the agencies, Fannie, Freddie, whatever, and they take their, let's say, 50 basis points, and they bless them, meaning they guarantee them, and they put them in a pool. So they don't take, you know, $100,000 mortgage and sell it to an investor. They'll gather them up into blocks of $5 million, Yep. roughly. Okay. And when they get to $5 million, then they trade them because it's an institutional size. 
Yep. Keep, let's just repeat the meme here that we're talking about something I know very little about. Right. Okay. But because not everybody borrows the exact right amount of money, mm-hmm. you get you get some variance in what makes up a pool. Yep. So you can go and when you deliver your pool to, to you know from a when issued to actual security, you're allowed to deliver a range. And let's say you can deliver between 95% of par and 105% of par. I, I don't know what the range is. Mm-hmm. I might not even be right about it at all, but I think that's how it works, right? Okay, okay. So the smart guys, when the market goes down in price from where they've written those mortgages, they deliver more at a higher price, right? Yeah, yeah, okay. And it makes sense, right? Okay. And then when the market goes up, let's say, they they deliver less. Yes, yep. And they kick out the little bits at higher prices. Okay. Mm-hmm. Just just another way that, you know, Wall Street manages to pick up the pennies. Yep. Or is I think that Nobel laureate Myron Scholes, uh, Kevin quoted him saying how they were walking around the world picking up nickels. Really? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I think he'd like to have that quote back. But uh, I, you got to pick up a, a lot of nickels to yeah, do the right. damage. <laughs> so um, anyway, we're talking about this inverted yield curve. And so let's go back to me talking about how I had this mm-hmm. picture of the potential of negative rates. Mm-hmm. Right. Okay. Well, fast forward. Well, we got them good and hard. Okay. So now there's this meme that goes on that an inverted yield curve has successfully predicted a recession. Yes. I don't know. Let's say it's 100. Okay. So I said this not that long ago. I don't know whether I said it on the show or I said it to one of my guys, but I'm hypothesizing an inverted yield curve doesn't predict a recession. It causes a recession, right? Yep. Meaning if you can earn four and a half percent on your uh, tax uh, risk-free rate mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And, and and your business only generates a CAGR of 3% at the moment, well, you're going to shut your business down. Yeah. Yeah. So, so anyway, I, I don't know where I end up with that. Except now we've got two of these articles. Okay, we've got the Van Hosington talking about basically a deflationary recession, right? Because prices, PV mm-hmm. equals MQ. Okay, so people have taken on debt to extinguish the debt. They have to liquidate assets, liquidate, aka sell. The more you sell, the lower it goes. Mm-hmm. Then we have Harley Bassman talking about 
convexity. And um, uh, we'll we get back to that in a minute. But finally, we have the Zervos piece. And uh, I'm going to talk about it with absolutely no permission okay. from Dave. I, di I didn't ask him. Mm -hmm. um, it's better to ask for forgive forgiveness than permission, right? Yeah. And, you know, he and I have shared a rope together, meaning we've gone climbing together. And that mm -hmm. that's an unbreakable bond, at least from my perspective. Dave may feel differently. But now he's a he's a great guy. Plus, he's a he's a. A, um, what's the word? He loves having his name mentioned, right? Okay. So he did something in this article I, I thought was, once again, this is either going to be the best or the worst episode, but he, he did something that had never occurred to me. And what he did was this. He was talking about the shape of the yield curve and the Fed's funds curve, which you also sent me, you know, is upward sloping and then inverts, right? Yep. Because yep. the rates indicate that we will have a few more tightenings followed by easings. Okay. And I think the conventional wisdom is people will just model that out saying, well, let's say the federal funds rate right now is four and a half. It goes to four and three quarters. Then they pause and wait a couple of months. Then they start to ease and then they're going to ease 25, 25, 20. So they, they build a, a mm -hmm. curve out that way, which by the way, not unreasonable. Right. right? Huh. Yep. Okay. But what Dave does, and I think this is the genius of the thing is, he says, let's not think about it that way, because the the market is path dependent, meaning, you know, it it isn't this smooth, continuous thing that all these Nobel Prize winners made, you know, got famous for. Mm -hmm. It's this chaotic, random walk. OK, yep. so there's there's millions of paths that the shape of rates can take right and so what dave says is well let's let's not stay we're going to build a, a fed funds curve normally let's say let's pick a few scenarios and let's assign probabilities to those scenarios and i'm probably not doing the article justice but He's saying, you know, let's say you get three payroll numbers of up 700,000. Well, then the Fed's, the Fed's going to ease. So what's the probability of getting up 700,000? Well, I mean, nobody knows. Future's hard to predict, right? Yeah. Or, or what if the other way goes? Uh, uh, I think I had that backwards. If the payroll numbers are up seven hundred thousand, they would tighten. Mm -hmm. Let's say they let's say they fall seven hundred thousand for three months, and the Fed's the Fed's going to ease. Yeah. Okay. Well, that's some probability. Assign a probability of that, and then you figure out what the rate is if that happens, and that's a probability adjusted mm -hmm. rate. Mm -hmm. 
Mm -hmm. and, and then within that, he said, and let's say we get a stock market crash. Well, you know, Dave's been out of the stocks for a long time, a long time relative to his situation. And um, he said, you know, they're going to be slow to come to the rescue of the stock market. But there, but there is a number, right? And so if you get payroll dropping 700000 a month for three or four months, the spoos are going to be down in the low 2000s, and then the Fed's going to start aggressively easing. Well, let's, let's put a probability on that and then assume what rate that would be. So he's building a offering the notion of a Fed funds curve, which is based more out of a probability of expectation rather than the way I built it out, mm -hmm. which is, I don't know whether it's old school. I don't even know if it's right. It's just, just how I, yeah. how I yeah, did yeah. it. Okay. So now we got these three, these three things going on. We've got, the weakening economy based on um, Van Hoisington, Lacey Hunt. We got Harley Bassman talking about convexity, which he does a really nice job explaining it. Okay. Another way of thinking about it is it's, it's a symmetrical, right? And um, then finally we got Zervos putting a more, probabilistic approach to where the rates end up. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, I'm not exactly sure where I come out with this yet, but the order of magnitude is enormous. And I'd like to show it to you. So um, on our website, uh, I took a screenshot of a Bloomberg page, which is a forward curve. Mm -hmm. Okay. So, you know, if you look all the way to the left, you've got the tenor, meaning how long mm -hmm. the, 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 in this rate, the swap is. And then as you read to the right, you know, a one year has got a 4.84 percent interest rate these are um sulfur rates which is the new libor okay and then is so the two-year rate would be a 422 yep Are you with me so far yep yep okay now as you move to the right this is what's called the forward curve and so this is a mathematical process which just gets generated and in short examples, I used to be able to do this in my head. I, I wouldn't attempt to do it now because um, I haven't done it in a while and I don't yeah. want to waste the time. Yeah. But I'd like to, to now look on the far left where it says tenors. Yep. Okay. Yep. Go all the way down and you see 30 year. You yep. with me? 2995. There you go. Okay. Now go all the way to the right 1.32 okay so what that 1.32 is is 
that number is, and you could you could lock that number in right now mm-hmm. if you want. It says in 30 years, the 30-year rate will be 1.32%. Now, many would argue that seems incredibly low. And right. you know what? I, Yeah, it does. Yeah. Is it right or wrong? Well, I, my guess is I'm not going to be around to find out. If I'm around, I'm not going to care. Right. But nonetheless, the reason I bring this up is why is that rate so much lower than the 30-year rate 15 years from now, which is the one number directly to the left of the 1.32? Yeah, 2.15. You see the yeah. 2.15. That difference, a lot of that difference, okay, is due to convexity. Okay. So you look, you're talking about a difference of 80 basis points. Now, I didn't bother to do this because I don't get paid to do this, but I didn't strip out how much of that 80 is due to the curve shape. Mm-hmm. And how much of it is due to this convexity? Mm-hmm. But I, I, but I'm guessing it's a lot. Yeah. So uh, now, where do where do we go from here? Um, it's a little bit of a dilemma because this is sort of getting into actionable intel, and yeah. I don't have I don't have a generic answer. But I will tell you what. I'm doing. So I'm convinced, thoroughly convinced, whether the inverted curve is a predictor or the causation of a recession, we are going to have a recession. With all due respect to the people who keep telling me how strong the employment report is and this and that, mm-hmm. give it a couple of months. You're seeing the traditional thing where all of a sudden people are going on disability, you know, stuff like that, which is how they, you know, get money mm-hmm. without working. Mm-hmm. And, and remember, you never want to say this time is different, but this time is different because of the COVID and the money coming in and the money coming out mm-hmm. to further confirm my belief that the recession is here on the web page below that chart you and i were just looking at is another chart that i stole from somebody alpine macro mm-hmm. i hope they don't listen yeah if you look at wow. that chart it's the net worth of real households this chart goes before 1960, yeah, it's it's the worst ever, and it's the worst ever by a lot. Yeah, it's ugly. Okay, ugly. so so, you know, if your neighbor's out of a job, it's a recession. If you're out of a job, it's a depression, right? Yep. So, I, I I think there's a lot of lags going on. Remember, monetary takes 18 months to work its way through the system. It maybe it's 12 months now because information travels mm-hmm. faster. But we have at least one more tightening coming up next week. I 
I think they're going to take a pause, but I, I could be wrong and I don't care if I'm wrong. Right, right, right. I'm, I'm, I'm only going to be wrong by 25 bases. Okay. So you've had a 450 to 500 basis point tightening in the funds rate. You've had a collapse in M2, which you showed me. We've probably had a decline in the velocity of money. You've had a destruction of household net worth, right? And, but wait, there's more. They're still drawn down, what, $80 billion in treasury securities every month? Yep, running the balance sheet off, yep. So, so let's say that's worth 200 basis points. Now you got an effective real funds rate of maybe 7%. Wow. Who's going to put their money into stocks? Kathy? All roads lead to Rome. Huh? <laughs> I mean, that's the answer. I, mean, I went with my gut. <laughs> yeah. So anyway, I, 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 I don't know. This is possibly the lunatic ravings of an older man. I'm not, I'm going with older. Okay. Okay. But um, so when we talk about Harley Bassman, who's talking about convexity, he's presented a curve trade, which you may or may want to want to do. I, I personally, I, I just, for me, when you can get 470 on a six month bill, I, I, I'm happy. I, I'm happy sitting here playing shuffleboard, waiting for the Jello. Yeah, no, you know, yeah. Tuesday night's movie night. Right, right, right. Yeah. Um, yeah, I, I don't see any reason to uh, be taking a tremendous amount of risk here. However, uh, since I do feel so strongly that. Lacey Hunt is right. And when I look at the destruction of household net worth, I, you know, I have a balance of the treasury bills. And then I do have some long paper, mm -hmm. which has got some credit risk to it. Mm -hmm. But it's got, a, I think, a risk-adjusted very high yield. Okay. Because, I mean, nobody wants to own a 30-year bond at, 362 but people are buying them because they have to mm -hmm. and you don't want to fade the guys that are buying stuff because they have to yeah yeah so uh yeah so that that's kind of the the deep thinking thing i i don't know whether i've lost my mind or whether, whether it's genius or and what are you what are you going to do with that? Where what's next for that? Now that you've you still have to work on that to come up with some uh, some trades to pull some money out of that. Well, I I think, um, like we said, it's path dependent. Okay, now you and I look at the market every day. I I don't look at it on Shabbos being uh, Shomer Shabbos. Yeah. I don't roll on Shabbos. Right, right. Yeah, thank you. Yeah. Um, I, I think for the time being, if you can find the right long paper, meaning the right yield at the right credit rating, 
that's good ownership. I think you want to have sort of a barbell strategy of uh, the bills or something in that area. But I think the belly of the curve, meaning the the five year, five to seven year area, mm-hmm. I, I I don't think it's fish or fowl. You're giving up. You might be giving up a hundred basis points in yield by not being in T bills, and you're not getting the convexity you get mm-hmm. by owning the long paper. So, uh, you know, if I were working. We would be looking at these, they call them butterflies. We'd be looking at the, the richness and the cheapness of the belly. And uh, since I haven't been paying attention to it, I don't know whether the belly is rich or cheap, but mm-hmm. that might be one of these vehicles with which we might express a trade. Interesting. Um, yeah, well, if that's your thing, it's it's interesting if, if it's not, you know. What do you you watch the Glengarry Girls? Is that <laughs> please? Um, can you take me back to Seabot? Can we answer that guy's question since he asked and and he had such a good question that piqued my interest? I don't want to. Oh, we were gonna we were gonna talk about that. About was I there during the FBI raid? FBI sting, yeah. Well, they, they, yeah. Okay. Know. Okay. Yeah. Let me, so, let me read um, the question just for just let me let me read good. the question. Yes. Let me just get short. Maybe short. Make sure I get it right, because I don't want to. All right, come on. Let me go. So he wanted to know. Come on. All right. Jesus, a lot of pictures. Here we go. All right, all right, all right. Where the fuck are the comments? Holy smokes. I, you want me to I, got, I got it, I got it, I got it. Here we go, here we go. Here we go. 612, at the risk of the ridicule, um... Were you at C? Were you on the CBOT floor during the FBI undercover operation in the late eighties? And do you have any good stories about the reverberations? My recollection is that top exchange execs were mostly out of town during the quote unquote light of long knives, where Roosevelt Road came knocking. You were a quote unquote made man on the floor to various degrees. This was a time when knowing who controlled slash influenced order flow in the pit helped, and benefiting from friendships was at its zenith. I'm not sure how deep you got into this system, but the FBI sting hit at the core of rigging systems and had a big positive ripple effect on free dynamic mar- markets. Market dynamics. Okay. So to make a short story long, uh, I took uh, Ag Econ 340, I think. Okay. I'll look it up. Yeah. In, in college, it's commodities futures trading. And it was, it was a good class. Uh, Ray Luthold was a professor, and the textbook was by Tom Hieronymus, who had been a U of I professor. Wow. And being being a land grant school, there was a heavy agriculture of course. Uh, yep. experience. So I took a bunch of those classes. Um, never took ad- animal husbandry class. That seemed to bridge too far. But com- yeah. futures trading and product prices I took. So one thing I remember distinctly on the final exam was describe dual trading and make a case both for it and against it. Okay. What does that mean? So when I was taking this class, and it was sometime in maybe 1980, 
Okay. So that's like 43 years ago. Mm -hmm. um, the way the open outcry system worked would be you'd have brokers and the speculators, we called them locals. But the brokers could not just fill paper for clients. They could trade their own account. So the final exam question is explain dual trading and give you pros and cons. So dual trading is just what I said. You have a, a, a member of the exchange. Yep, yep. He, he fills orders or, quote, paper for clients. And he has his own personal trading account. So that's what dual trading is. Okay. Pros. The pros of dual trading are if he makes an error for a client, he has an account that he can stick the error in and he can work out of it and the client is made whole. Interesting, yep. Okay. The con is he can get a little cute with the orders. So, for instance, guys, you've seen pictures of the pit, right? Everyone's got yep. these jackets. They got yep. badges. The yellow badges are full members. The red badges are the uh, AM associate members. Mm -hmm. But if you had a red badge, you could trade the bonds. If you had a yellow badge, you could trade anything on the exchange, right? But these orders would come in a couple of different ways. One would be on a piece of paper that was written out, okay? And the other would be by, by hand signals, right? And as I've described to you, one of my job was I would get the paper and I would look, is it a buyer, is it a sell, how close it is to the market, this or that, okay? So let's say the broker has orders to buy at eight in orders to sell at nine. Okay, so across the way, a local says, I'll, I'll sell you 100 at eight. Mm -hmm. And the broker says, bought them. Okay, they, they both make little notes on their cards. When they get a minute, they fill out all of the information. And then off it goes to the exchange. Mm -hmm. Well, in this example, if the broker buys the 108 and he sits there and the market goes down he endorses the 100 he bought at 8 to the client off it goes clients none the wiser mm -hmm. right yep okay if the market goes up to 9 the broker sells him at 9 yep the 100 he bought gets journaled into his personal account and the sale gets journaled out of his personal account. Okay. Yeah. So that's the con of the dual. That's the con in my final exam question. Mm. So I left the floor in 1983 and, um, I'm not going to talk about all the stuff I saw or didn't see. Mm -hmm. I, I got, you know, mm -hmm. my, maybe another time. But um, so this thing took place, the FBI thing took place in 89, which is 
six years after I left, right? Mm-hmm. And uh, I'm not going to do it now. Maybe we could do a special on it. But, you know, there's easily half a dozen ways that the clients get picked off or we're getting picked off. You know, and uh, another quick example would be uh, a lot of people trade market on close orders. And there would be a range. Mm-hmm. So let's say the range was 12 to 16. And you had 300 to sell and 280 to buy. The sells would be sold at the low end of the range and the fill, the buys would be filled at the high end of the range. And the the odd amount would just get executed at yep. the close. Or, yep, yep. So there's there's a lot of that stuff that that went on down there. Um, yeah. So I no, I wasn't part of it. Did I see things? Um, no comment. Yeah, it was a colorful um, thing. <laughs> well, you know, it, it just for my purpose. Um, I mean, it's like 40 years ago now, right? Yes. Yeah, yeah. So, so I, I, you know, I mean, it's entirely possible this is a hallucination, and I don't remember this at all. <laughs> Secondly, I don't need to besmirch right, right. anybody's reputation, but I will tell you, you know, when you may have read that book about among the thugs, mm-hmm. which we've since banned. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, there's a group think that goes on, and you know, you think what you're doing ain't necessarily illegal, mm-hmm. right? Yeah, and, yeah. You know, and when you know you're getting, you know, one tick on a hundred lot, which is three thousand one hundred twenty-five dollars. And you kind of tell yourself it's a victimless crime. Mm-hmm. After a while, you don't try to convince yourself of anything other than I got to do more of this. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's working. Yeah, yeah. So that's sort of my uh, that's sort of my um, yeah. answer to that thing. Um, Ethan Fanshell yep. wrote in something about bonds versus stocks, okay. and you know, look. Everybody knows I don't like stocks. Yep. I, I liked them for about eight minutes and it worked out great. Um, I think if they got cheap, I'd buy them again. But a Fed that is still tightening, money supply that's declining. Um, to tell you how grave things are, that pillar of integrity and leadership David Solomon took a 30% pay cut. Charity, a champion. Now, <laughs> now um, just because I'm completely going sideways here, I was speaking to the 13-time Emmy Award winner, Ted Shaker, the other day, and he's uh, an irregular listener because mm-hmm. it's not his thing. Mm-hmm. But he did mention he thought um, – my use of the word cunt was inappropriate and vulgar, and I should refrain from that. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I thought a lot about that because I, I, I respect that. 
But I came back with this, which is number one, that's how traders talk, okay? Secondly, I had this image of a couple of rappers in a studio cutting an album. And so imagine this rapper yeah, yeah. is going through his thing mm -hmm. and and the the producer's waving his hands and goes, Hey, can you back up a second? <laughs> yeah, man, what do you want? <laughs> you know, I really think you should take the N-word out of that song. <laughs> yeah. yeah. You could have gotten a second opinion from Anthony Peters, and Anthony Peters would have said that they teach that in elementary school. That's like, <laughs> what? Do we have time for one little thing? I, I think it's kind of cute. Yeah. Okay. So, this is a repetition, a part of a story. But so, in 1995, they send me over to run the prop trading. They got tired of me stealing the money from the primary dealership so they right, 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 they right. sent me over to london yeah. and they sent me with one of my partners greg bose who uh you know stand-up guy you know totally legit and so he's gonna be he's gonna run the office and he'll be there full-time i'll do my up and back and whatever mm -hmm. so we we kind of the 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 two Meshuganas from Greenwich are going to roll into right. London and we're going to, okay. So, you know, I get in there and I've told this story. I don't know whether online or offline, you know, this lovely woman who's the office manager comes up to her and introduces herself and anything I can do to help let me know. I said, that's great. I'll just settle in. And she says, can I bring you a cup of coffee? And I'm like, what? <laughs> I said, can I, can I bring you a cup of coffee? Yeah. I'm like, what the fuck is going on here? <laughs> right? And I, I'm like, I think it's a gag. Right? Yeah, 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 yeah. I'm like, sure. Yeah. I'm like, sure. She goes, how do you take it? Yeah. I'm like, I'm a little milk. Right, right. <laughs> so I'm in the business all these years. I finally get someone to bring me a cup of coffee. Pretty, pretty nice, by the way. Yeah, yeah. Okay. But, but the more important part of the story is, I don't think you've ever been in a trading room. Or if you have been, or you've seen pictures, there used to be, and I still have to some degree, these things called a hoot and holler. It's like a box. Yeah. I so if I need that. to tell you something right away, the person on the other line could go, "Hey Liam, it's MB. I need to talk to you. Pick up." Yeah. And and you'll hear it, but so will everyone in the room. So I don't know. I could make up how long it took before this happened, but. Certainly within the first week we're there. Right, 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 right. I'm sitting at my desk. Greg's sitting at his desk. And on the hoot and holler, some broker says, hey, Karen, you fucking cunt, pick up the phone. <laughs> and now, of course, I'm paralyzed with fear. <laughs> so, so Greg picks up the phone and says, listen, I don't know who you think you are. Yeah, yeah. But we're professionals here. We don't talk like this. And he hangs up the phone. And the room is silent. And a minute later, Karen says, Greg, I'd like you to stay out of my business. 
Wow. <laughs> like there was nothing wrong with what the guy said. In fact, yeah. Greg, you know, get the fuck out of my way. Yeah. So that, hence my experience with, with the C word. So yeah. uh, there's other stuff to talk about. But, Let's go. Uh, I got, where do you got to be? I don't I, I don't know. I'm I'm getting uh, a couple of quick things, and and then you know I I got things yeah. to do. People I to know, see. I know. You're you know. very busy. Um. So Cheryl was asking me because she's on a lot of these boards doing yeah. good work, and of course the CPA she gets directed to the uh, mm-hmm. financial end of it. And she says, "Can you sort of explain to me private equity?" And I said, "Well, think of it like this: it's." We used to call leverage buyouts, but that blew up, so they rebranded themselves. Mm-hmm. And uh, and the final story I have for today involves private equity. So there's one of these private equity funds that somebody at Greenwich Capital knew and opened. In the first year, they hit it out of the park. Okay. So, of course, you know, Yep. Past performance is no guarantee of future results is because right. the past performance is never going to repeat itself. Yep. But anyway, I got sucked into putting some money in this thing. And uh, so did a couple other of my close colleagues. And the way it works is you commit to a sum of money. They're charging you fees on money you haven't even given them. Mm-hmm. Right. This is along the lines of blowjobs aren't sex, but I digress. <laughs> right, right. So anyway, I commit to whatever it is. Yeah, yeah. And then what happens is when they find a company that they can rape and pillage, mm-hmm. they do their thing. They ask for your money and then they go, yeah. okay. So, so one day we get the business plan that they're buying a company. The company that's being sold is the Greek yellow pages now for those of you too young to remember you used to get this thing called the phone book delivered to your house in if you wanted to call a girl and ask for a date you got the phone book out and you looked up her parents name and the number was there right and then somebody had a genius idea why not sell ads to businesses amazing and to differentiate the residential numbers from the business numbers, the book was yellow. Mm-hmm. Many old Italian restaurants would use the yellow pages as the booster seat for the kid at the of table. Course. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Okay. So anyway, these geniuses, all of them with Harvard, Yale, Rhodes Scholar, Cambridge, decide we're going to buy the Greek yellow pages. Now, keep in mind, the internet has been invented. <laughs> this is not. This is not. This is not pre-internet. Right. And right. I, I look at one of my colleagues. He he knows who he is. I, I look at him and I'm like, it's kind of kind of seems like a dumb idea, doesn't? <laughs> <laughs> but you have no choice. You're, you're, you're locked in, back. right? <laughs> The the whole fucking th- the thing went to zero faster than shit through a goose, right? Um, and you know I'm not making fun of the Greeks. I want to be clear about that, okay? Although, so the Greeks, 
their one of their contributions is, for instance, math, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. It's it's they're the ones that came up with the Pat, Pythagorean theorem, yep. which is invaluable. You agree with that, right? Yep. Unfortunately, they they hit a dry spell for about five thousand years, but then yeah. but then they came up the Greek salad. Yeah, knocked it out of the park. It is, it's the king of salads. <laughs> By all means, um, that's all. That's all. That's all I got for you. I want to thank. I want to thank that's the couple I of guys. I want to thank a couple of guys um, who have helped me through these hundred shows that I have sometimes, unbeknownst to you, emailed and said, "I got a slow week. What am I going to talk to this guy about?" Um, primarily, Leslie, Leslie Harris, E.G. Fisher, Ed Sheets, Kevin Muir, Anthony Peters. Okay. Who else am I forgetting? But those are the guys, those five guys I really leaned on every week, week in, week out. And they've been very helpful for this. Um, and I want to thank you for a hundred shows. This has been fantastic. I, I still some somewhat surreal. Um, never thought that 4,000 people a week would listen to us, but here we are. Um, and it's been a pleasure. I've learned a lot. Hopefully everyone has too. Um, and it's been fun. So thank you, my friend. Well, first of all, you're welcome. Secondly, um, take it from me, when you get to a point in your life where you don't have to worry about putting food on the table and you realize that having this or that doesn't make you feel any happier or Mm -hmm. make you any important, you know, you start to search for purpose if you have a brain. There's the guy we ride with that's still, he's never (laughs) going to figure it out. (laughs) But um, I have taken away so much more in terms of feeling good about myself than, you know, anything that anyone has learned. It's been a treat for me to be able to do that. And uh, so thank, thank you. Apologize to some degree for the vulgarity. Uh, not a lot, but a little. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, of course, we don't want to forget the people behind the scenes, you mm-hmm. know, the, 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 the legal, the compliance, the AV guys, marketing, yeah. um, <laughs> you know, marketing, sales, yeah. marketing and sales. I haven't even invented a product yet. <laughs> oh, my God. oh boy. Yeah. But listen, let's, uh, Let's see if we can hit the go to 200. All right, pal. See you next week. Onward and upward. Try try not to erase this show. All right. right. Thank you. Okay. Goodbye. (laughs)